Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This is the Action Network Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. Welcome into the Action Network Podcast. We are presented by the FanDuel Sportsbook. It is the Open Championship in 2023. We find ourselves in England, Royal Liverpool, the course, diving into it today. I'm your host, Brendan Glasheen, joined by the co-hosts of the Better Golf Podcast, Action Network contributors, Spencer Aguiar and Nick Brettwish, who also uh, contributes over at Win Daily Sports. Tee Off Sports is where you can find Spencer on Twitter, should it still exist by the time you listen. Always got to get that in there nowadays, fellas. And then Sticks Picks, <laughs> Sticks with an X, is where you can find Nick on Twitter. Fellas, looking forward to another great week. Our last time together on the Action Network podcast, Wyndham Clark delivered in the big spot in Los Angeles. As we uh, get set for uh, Royal Liverpool, the course, of course, in England for the Open, uh, Spencer, you can go first. Just a general outlook, and we're going to dive in, folks, to outright markets, Top five, top 10, top 30, top 40, uh, some some head-to-heads if we get there. Also, a segment on live betting we want to dive into, and then some final bets before we get out of here. But sort of to set the scene here, Spencer, coming into the week, now they're at uh, recording Tuesday with the Open starting up Thursday. Where are you at right now in terms of digesting any information we have now getting ready for Thursday? Yeah, I I think it's a really interesting course because we have gotten in the Open Championship rotation twice since 2006. Tiger Woods won the title that opening year at 18 under par. Rory McIlroy was the champion in 2014 at 17 under. It's about as star powered as possible when looking at the top of the board. I will say that I don't know if there's a way to ideally build a model this week since changes have been made to the track. This was a par 72 during those iterations. Now it's a par 71. You know, like all link style courses, the weather lands as the ultimate decider, really, when you look at this in any iteration of how you want to uh, run your model there. But you're going to get a venue that has out of bounds everywhere off the tee. It's one of the reasons we saw McElroy and Woods both play extremely cautiously during their respective wins. The wide open conditions are a potential issue if the winds do pick up since there's no protection from the coast. That's essentially going to be European golf in a nutshell, but... 
the large green complexes land is another weighable commodity to highlight when you do run your numbers. You're going to need three putt avoidance to bypass mistakes. Scrambling is highly essential for the sand dunes and the thick rough that will loom at all turns. However, the one interesting quirk to everything that I've mentioned here about the property is that the land is extremely flat. Um, that's not always the case in some of these major championships. I think that slightly changes the dynamics for approach shots and sh uh, chips from around the green. None of that necessarily solves the problem from the lack of data that we do have at our disposal. But, you know, Lynx Golf is highly transferable from location to location. I do think that you can weigh it in some corollary sense on other tracks, kind of take those undertone of other properties that we've seen historically. And that should at least help to push you in the direction of where you can find golfers that should be more likely to succeed this week. But, you know, Brendan, all of that goes back to my original point that I talked about. It's a weather induced sort of a week to where it's really difficult to make a decision. And I'm not a weather person. Like, I don't even mean from like the meteorologist sense of it. Like, I'm not a person that is is looking at the weather and putting much credence into it. This is the one event or one of the few events yearly where it does matter. Early in uh, the open, we should have some heavier gusts Thursday. I'm just, you know, I'll put the weather hat on. I'll take that risk. Uh, Pre-event rain expected, which could soften up the course, but uh, wind over the first two days is what we're looking at right now. Uh, but it shouldn't, from what we know now, shouldn't cause a huge disruption in scoring. But again, as Spencer said, something to monitor. Nick, where are you at? And as Spencer mentioned, we've got Cam Smith in here who won it last year. You've got all of the winners of the open from 2017 through 2021 also featured as well as some international flavor. Yeah. I'm, I'm with Spencer. I don't think the weather is a, a whole lot to worry about as of now. I think the weekend, that's really where it's going to get pretty dicey. Saturday looks rough at the moment, but yep. you got anybody you're betting, you need to make the cut. So let's deal with Thursday and Friday first. <laughs> Overall, I do agree with Spencer. I think we will see a little bit more club down action, but the course was redesigned a little bit in years past to make sure that people do hit driver. It's going to be a par 71, 7,300 yards. That is plenty long. So looking for guys that are accurate off the tee, both with the club down and a driver, guys that are just in great ball striking form. And most importantly for me, people that can scramble. You are going to miss fairways and regulation. You are going to miss greens and regulation, especially when the weather kicks up. So I need guys that can get up avoid the big numbers, one putt par, or get out of there with a bogey at worst and continue to fight for the weekend. And experience matters. Six of the past 11 winners of the Open Championship have been 35 or older. Seven of the past 11, 32 or older. So it speaks to maturity and scrambling the out-of-bounds concept that Spencer just hit on. So let's, let's dive into some bets. Spencer, from an outright perspective, who might we be targeting and why? I tend to think there's an extremely inconsistent nature to the board this week. Um, we Nick and I talk a lot about the higher hold percentages. Uh, some of that will make these discussion points mute since the values condensed in many spots. But I felt like there was unstable pricing when comparing different golfers. And uh, if I was to use a specific example of this, and this is a golfer that my model really liked, but you know, you take a Tommy Fleetwood for an example here. It's not like he's been winning golf tournaments and all of a sudden he's moved all the way up this board where he's landing 20 to one at the majority of shops. You know, you can shop around and find better, but I've seen him as low as 15 to one out there in the space. So it's a really interesting tournament. Um, it's not to say that it's inconceivable that Fleetwood wins, but there's a lot of golfers like him that have gotten credit for the recent results without the victories. And then 
you have the flip of that answer of golfers that I seem to really like from a long-term potential who have shown better win equity over the course of, you know, years. We don't need to give a specific time frame on that, that I have now all of a sudden gone from golfers that may have been in the teens, even for earlier majors in the year. And now all of a sudden we're talking about 25, 28, 30 to one sort of commodities this week. So, you know, I think two names that really quickly pop up from that list would be Xander Shoffley, 25 to one. If you shop around, you can find him as high as 28 to one. Uh, Patrick Cantley at 28 to one would be the second name there. My model's always believed an open championship has been the most likely major location for either of those two if they're going to win at historically. Uh, they were the only two golfers for me to rank in the top 10 for all six statistics that I ran for the week. Cantley provided an answer of ranking first in expected strokes gain total, first in par five birdie or better percentage, and first in total driving. Xander didn't necessarily have the same upside to those stats, but third in recalculated strokes gain and sixth in weighted scoring. I just think the market has overreacted where these two are being priced on the board because of, I guess, the general frustration that they've provided at numbers that have been viewed as being inadequately priced with it. And I've been a big proponent with Shoffley and and uh, Cantley specifically, where any time that you get one of these prices at pretty much any course in the world that's 25 to one or higher, there's typically going to be value on that number, but then specifically you move them to a venue like this to where there's short games and some of those intangibles come into play. I really like the two of them. I took Terrell Hatton at 33 to one last week. I did that when I filmed the gimme with Jason Sobel. Unfortunately, that doesn't help a ton since the number has moved after he nearly won the Scottish Open. But I will say that the recent form of him generating eight consecutive top 27 finishes is almost Scheffler-like in a very cheap way of trying to get that profile. Four of those results have landed in the top six. I, I've said this comment numerous times on, on various shows that I've done, but I remain extremely bullish that a career-altering win is going to be around the corner for him. I took Max Homa at 60 to 1. This was a golfer that the three of us talked about during the U.S. Open when I also grabbed him at 30 to 1. I could argue that an Open Championship might be an even better test for him than what we did see at LACC. Like a lot of the hype stemmed around Homa's past success at Los Angeles Country Club for why that number plummeted during the U.S. Open. But I'm not under the belief that his inability in majors is as bad as the public would lead you to believe. Sure, he has 16 of them on his resume. None of those have landed inside the top 10. That's a concern. However, things do start looking much better when you remove the opening nine that he had put together. You start focusing on only what he's done on his last seven. Five of those seven would have been made cuts. The 13th at the PGA Championship in 2022. That's all of a sudden the highlight on his resume here. But, you know, Brendan, you talked about this at the beginning of this segment here. When we are talking about Wyndham Clark, uh, and Wyndham Clark was one of my favorite wagers that I had at the U.S. Open, Wyndham Clark was a golfer that didn't have anything better or anything within the top 75 in six attempts in majors. I think you have a very similar profile between these two golfers, not in the way that they play, but in what we've seen from them historically that Wyndham Clark is not the same golfer that he was two years ago. And Max Homa is not the same golfer that he was two years ago. So I think Homa has legitimate win equity in this tournament at a price that's overinflated. And then I did wrap up my card with Jason Day at 125 to one. I don't know if Day can win a major with the form that he's bringing to the table. That's something that we can have a discussion about on the back end of this. But I I had him as the most mispriced player on the board when everything opened on Monday at that 125 to one total. We've seen that that number drop at a handful of shops into more of that 100 to 110 to one range. 
if you really shop around and you have access to certain locations, there are still 125s at specific spots out there. It just came down to my model believing day was a 60 to one talent in this field. I could argue that number probably isn't even right because if you would have played this two and a half months ago, it's probably in the Ricky Fowler range here. But I think anything over a hundred to one for Jason Day with his ability to scramble. And I think this is where weather and what we actually get here will make a really significant difference for Day. If it gets cold, if it gets overly rainy, if it gets damp conditions, as have always been situations where Day's back starts tightening up on him. We don't necessarily have that in the weather forecast right now. I guess the one thing I would say about the forecast not looking overly bad with, with everything that's going on right now, it's a wide open property. 15 miles per hour here is much worse than 15 miles per hour when you have a tree line nature of the venue. So I would keep that in mind when you are running numbers. I don't know if there's a, a, a natural way to build a model until we get more information. But yeah, I thought day at a, over 100 to one was a very intriguing price. Jason Day at FanDuel currently 80 to one. So that number has come down, but based on your model, there's slightly still some value uh, sure. above that 60 to one threshold. Some other notes uh, to, to pick off what you just mentioned. Cantlay, while not great day one uh, at the Scottish Open, played well Friday, still missed the cut. He's been viable though most of the year. Top 15 at each of the first three majors this year. Tommy Fleetwood is someone else you brought up. Fleetwood has landed two top five finishes in the last four years. So he's, he's got some steam here uh, rolling in Nick, where are you at from an outright perspective? And you can even go down the board as well. If you've got some long shots as well. Yeah. Uh, I tailed Spencer on Jason day and Max Homa before even talking with him. So I'm glad to see that he is on the same thing. I echo everything that he said about Max Homa guy finished T12 last week at the Scottish open and lost strokes approach. He is notoriously a fantastic ball striker, a great scrambler. If everything could come to fruition, I think we're looking at a guy that should be priced right around 30 to 40 to one. Uh, in addition, I went down the board a bit to Taylor Gooch at 90 to one. Taylor Gooch is a guy that checks every single box for me. He's not quite 32 years old, Brandon, but if we can go 31 years old in eight months, we round we'll up. Take it. He's old. He's he's old enough and does have decent. You know, my you know, my hold on. Let me let me let me tell you something about age. My dad always said this to me. So I'm 30, <laughs> but my dad says, well, technically, and my dad's such a prick. Technically, you're in your 31st year. So with that analysis, boom, Gooch is in his 32nd year of living. Primed up. All right, I love that. I got a uh, Taylor Gooch. Personally listed at 68 to one to see 90 to one in the market. I really like that. I didn't really have a lot of edge on anybody at the top of the board. So the shortest player that I took was Kam Morikawa at 35 to one is simply a number grab. I like to kind of divorce myself from being a fan of these guys as some people that I usually fade. I never play Kyle Morikawa. In fact, I wrote him up as the biggest bust on my article at Action Network, but my numbers say that he should be proper right around 25 to 28 to one range. So to get 35 with a guy of greater than 3% implied win probability, I had to take a splash there. I love Tony Finau. I'm surprised Spencer didn't talk about Tony Finau. I, he's always on Tony Finau. It's a guy that lights up the Open Championship, hasn't won a major, hasn't won here, but he's always done very, very well. His ball striking is fantastic. His scrambling is fantastic. He is an excellent driver of the golf ball. He's awesome when he clubs down. I don't understand why he, you know, every time I bet him, he seems to finish 30th to 50th in that range, always a letdown. But 60 to one out there in the market, I think that number is too high. I have him priced at 38 to one. 
So a big perceived edge there. And then Hideki Matsuyama, this guy has struggled immensely overseas on these open championships, but everything about this course, if the weather does stay a little bit calm, I think it fits him nicely. Deadly accurate off the tee. The long irons are really good. I like everything about Hideki here. The form's starting to round into place. As long as he's healthy, I think that's a pretty good number there. But overall, I think my favorite plays outright right now are Max Homa, Tony Finau. And I will probably get there with Xander Shoffley at 28 to 1. I think everything Spencer said about him is dead on. It's one of my favorite players. So that's more of a fanboy play for me. But I do have room for one more pre tournament outright. I'm thinking it's going to be Xander. But if I had to give you a winner, I do think this is a week that we see John Rahm come out. And uh, I hope he starts a little slow to start. And if I can get a 15 to 1 or so in the live market, that's where I'm going to be looking at is John Rahm there slow out of the gate. Pre-event, Rom, your third favorite at FanDuel, 12 to 1. So can you clarify, you're in on Morikawa or you're not? Morikawa won the event in 2021. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm both. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm in on the outright market. I'll be fading him everywhere else. To me, it was just a number grab. I had value as much as I don't like Morikawa as a golfer. Uh, I'm not really sure why I don't. Seems like a good guy, great ball striker, everything like that. It's just a guy that personally maybe spencer rubbed off on me man he fades him every single week and then i was like you know what i'm done too with morikawa um but yeah with john rom he does have that afternoon tea time on thursday it should be a lot windier there in comparison to thursday morning so maybe he goes out shoots one under and the leader in the clubhouse five or six and we can get a bigger number on john rom that's something that i'm certainly interested in to go low on friday morning for the audience when they bet the open the outright market of course is very popular spencer where else might you be looking what other markets interest you whether it make miss cut top five or top 10 top 30 top 40 etc uh around leader where might you be looking for other value for the tournament for me the the majority of my exposure of my card i always wanted to land in these head-to-head sectors or the placement markets so you know, obviously we've talked about a lot of players here and it's nice when you hit an outright. That's the that's what the headline's going to be. The headline will end up being from this show at the US Open. Spencer Aguiar says Wyndham Clark won at 100 to 1. And great, he said a bunch of call, other shit, but we're going to take the Wyndham Clark bit, <laughs> yeah, play it, and we're awesome. <laughs> that's pretty That's pretty much what happened with it. I mean, like it wasn't the, I, I you know, I'm like one of those people where that wasn't the greatest tournament I've ever had, but all of a sudden Wyndham Clark wins and it makes it a highly profitable event for me. But, you know, markets and and the way that you want to build your exposure to these cards, it's very important to me that I'm doing it in a, in a positive long-term EV sense with it. And you're just not going to be positive long-term if you have all your exposure wrapped up in the outright market. So I think these placement bets, these head to head wagers, you know, these are things for me that I have a very limited card right now because I would like to see where this weather moves over the next, you know, let's say not to timestamp this show, but like the next 24 hours here, just so we have some sort of an indication of where certain players are moving and, and maybe we can find more of an edge there. But you know, I think for a head to head wager, you'll have to shop around to find it. I thought Max Homa at plus 105 over Justin Thomas was at least an intriguing wager to consider. Uh, Thomas is going to be one of those players that has a really high ceiling, a super low floor with what he's provided recently. I thought Homa should have been more in the minus one twenty five range. So that's uh, that that's is, flipped right now. Homa's uh, at minus one forty. Well, there you go. I mean, I we like when when Nick and I just did the show for uh, Links and Locks over here at Action Network. That number had not moved at the time there. So that's one of the things about this space where, like, when when a number gets released. Prices move fast. Like, you know, I wrote it in my Rotoballer article and 
all of a sudden numbers shift at the end of the day here. And that's why I think it's really important for everybody out there. Make sure that you have the ability to, no matter how you do it, to build numbers of your own. I release a model. I try to give everybody that capability to be able to do that. But uh, when a number is gone, a number moves very quickly with it. So I don't like it at that price. I thought minus 125 should have been the proper going rate. But I do think HOMA in general is underpriced in the market. I always like to try to find fade candidates more than anything. So for me, it would be more of, can I find an opponent against Justin or a, a player that I want to take on versus Justin Thomas here? I uh, didn't necessarily have that. We'll see how the market moves. And then for some placement bets that I don't necessarily have in right now, but I am eyeing on on these here. Um, well, I do have this one in Jason Day, top 10, seven to one. Uh, the ones that I'm kind of on the fringe fence for that I'm just trying to see where the le- weather ends up landing here. Andrew Putnam, plus 260 for a top 40 over on FanDuel. Denny McCarthy, plus 130 for a top 40 over on FanDuel. I think McCarthy is a really intriguing golfer that I wanted to find a way to get exposure to him. I didn't necessarily know in what portion of the market I wanted to do that. Didn't want to get there in the outright sense. I do think a head-to-head matchup makes sense. Kind of like it here for a top 40 for safety. And then I will double down on the Tony Finau call with Nick. I think 41st or better is a very intriguing bet that you can find out there. He's at safety at Open Championships. I always tend to like Finau in these club down situations. It's just better for his game. The weight of proximity this year has taken a big jump. I love the around the green numbers. I think there's a lot of safety there for him uh, to come inside the top 41. So uh, that's kind of where my card sits right now. It's a very low exposure card. Um, you know, talking about making additions throughout the week. I think in tournament head-to-head wagers are really where my bread and butter would be. When I have the ability to run numbers and we have some statistical data that I can throw into my sheet, and then I take some of the, the aggregated totals that I already have from the pre-tournament weights there, that's where I want to be. That's where I can find my largest edge. But it's a weather it's a weather answer that we need more information on to feel comfortable about placing a handful of these bets. Yeah, and by the way, on Fino, minus 135 for a top 40 finish over at Fan. Is that a playable number? I think yes, but <laughs> Nick's face says a lot. You, you, you got to lay a lot of juice there, and I'm probably going to have a ton of exposure to Tony Fino elsewhere, so I'll, I'll probably pass there. If any, I I trust him to go top 20. I'm sure we – what's the number on FanDuel for the top 20? I know I did not have an edge per se, but I'll certainly look at it if it's around. Plus like 195. Okay. Plus 195. I'll, I'll take it in pod play. Let's do it. I, I would probably prefer that. I, I guess the only reason why I give hesitation based off of my answer there, and, and I don't want to keep using this as like the scapegoat excuse that I talk about, but it is a volatile tournament with weather. Like, I don't know if I necessarily want to be laying an overabundance of juice on a wager that was already a small number grab for me as it was as a 41st or better spot at minus 120. But it also had the capabilities if you shop around where, you know, those bets paid out a little bit differently. So that that's my only thought with the female situation is we're talking about very fine margins at, at a tournament that can be highly volatile. Nick Brettwish, where are we looking possibly for uh, a make or miss cut finishing position round leader? What do you got? All right. I'll give you the rest of my card here. I got Taylor Gooch top 10 at six to one. Again, just somebody, uh, I really like my numbers seem to really like him this week. My favorite play of the week is Jordan Smith. Top 40 on FanDuel is plus 190. This dude's in excellent form. He's an Englishman, a fairway finder, drives the ball very long. 
top 10 in ball striking at the Scottish Open last week, top 20 in a stroke scanned off the tee. He's got five straight finishes inside the top 40, including a T20 at the U.S. Open, so we know he can compete in big fields. Uh, the only downside of his game is his scrambling, but it is trending in the right direction. He has gained strokes around the green the past two rounds. And then I will go as Harris English, top 40 on FanDuel, plus 230. And then Davis Riley, top 40, where ties are paid in full at plus 275. I believe that number on FanDuel would have a dead heat rule, but that is three to one on FanDuel. Also a pretty nice number on Davis Riley. And then I would love Spencer's opinion on this. I think this was a just a weird number out there. I hope it's not like a trap, but my numbers had this at minus 175. You can get minus 125 out in the market. Matthew Southgate to miss the cut, minus 125. I don't know, Nick. I mean, the answer that I always give you with everything is when we take these DP World Tour players, I have such limited data on them to begin with that. If you want to tell me all of them to miss the cut, I would be in on any of those. So I'm, <laughs> I'll right, give yeah. you a, the, yeah, the short game and scrambling is non-existent for this guy. He is an excellent driver of the golf ball. Uh, decent iron play. He did spike a little bit last week at the Scottish Open, but did miss the cut. Uh, just too loaded of a field here. And again, my numbers think it's minus 175 to miss the cut. So I'll take 50 points of value on a market I never bet. So we'll see what happens. But uh, Brendan, you usually bring us good luck on these things. So oh. I think it's a lock. Okay. From links and locks, the links and locks too. Yeah, yeah. Bet responsibly, everybody. Come on now. Um, Okay, so let's spend a second on this, and then we'll get out of here. So I know, and Spencer's brought up. We're going to have to put a limit on the word weather uh, for the remainder of the show. That's like that's the that's the key word here. It's like when you have the word bank when you're in grammar school, but you get to overuse one word. uh, The word is weather. Um, But what other? So as you both talked about, consistency, ball striking. Around the green, if you're a specialist there, that checks a box. If you can manage your way around a more technical style venue in England for this coming week, what other things, the weather pending, of course, Spencer, and I'll go to, I'll get Nick's thoughts on this too. Just what other <laughs> characteristics are you thinking about for live betting purposes later in the week? If there's an opportunity there. It's such a hard and difficult way that you phrase that question, Brendan. Because, Sorry, um, I was going to say I'm I'm I don't know how to answer that either. <laughs> so, like the answer I want to give, and we'll change the word here: the conditions that are out there. They are that's the highly impactful answer for me of what I really care about. I don't want to get stuck on the the wrong end of a of a draw, where half the field gets taken out because of some reason. And I don't necessarily think that's going to come into play in this situation, but it can happen on coastal golf courses when you throw it specifically in Europe without the protection and without the tree line nature. So that is something that's going to be highly important for me. I I, want to make sure that certain factors there make sense. I think if I'm looking for a skill set and and something, how it can work. and, And like the way I ran into my model, I have wind, and some of these, you know, funkier conditions out here thrown into my model one time. Now, it doesn't okay. mean that I need to overly do it, but it's already being impacted into my model, you know, to 10% of the overall weight that I'm using because I do think it's important. And it is going to change the the way that my model is going to spit out certain functions here. And and that's that's going to matter to me. I think the ability to scramble, the ability to hit greens in regulation, 
the ability to avoid three putts. These are really large green complexes. And, um, you know, it, I'm trying to figure out what word to use that would be different than that, but it always kind of just continues trickling back into, I would like to know how hard the wind is blowing in some of these spots. Okay. I would like to know how does a golfer perform when the winds do pick up? Does it make his around the green game worse? Does it make his putter worse? Does it make his off the tee game worse? There's out of bounds in so many situations that all of a sudden a 15 mile per hour gust that is going, you know, left to right that all of a sudden starts pushing you towards the out of bounds uh, sticks there. I mean, that could be the end of your tournament for a major championship. So I think all those things matter. It's something that you're going to have to be very cognitive of throughout the week and just keep in the back of your mind. And um, it's not something that's necessarily overly weighable, but you can throw it into a model and at least use it to figure out decisions that will help and figure out a way to extract better in a better sense. So hopefully that answers your question. It does. It does because you're not just telling me Keep an eye on the conditions. Okay, got it. But what's you gave the specifics as to what you'll be watching in terms of what the conditions could do to affect a certain player. Um, so that helps. I think it helps for the audience. Anything to add, Nick, before we leave? No, sir. I love it. Okay. I know Spencer gave a very detailed, complex answer. Yeah, he'll do that. He'll do that. That's why I just like to go on meet sometimes and start taking notes myself. That a boy. What do you think I'm doing? That's why I hold a pen when I do these podcasts. <laughs> Very similar to what our producers do before the, the the bets get posted in the Action Network app or wherever they may be, in podcast form or in app form. Spencer Aguiar, Nick Brettwish, they are the co-hosts of Better Golf Podcast. You can check them out there. Finally, before we go, where can we find you both the rest of the week? Yeah, best bets uh, at Action Network and then also on Twitter at Better Golf Pod. We will have our episode out later tonight and we'll be doing a round one fantasy draft over at Underdog. If anybody wants to join, we'll send the link, hop in and uh, come beat Spencer and I's ass in some uh, some round one showdown on Underdog. Very good. And then I know you got some stuff going on at Roto Baller, uh, Spencer. Yeah, you can if you like if you'd like to look at some of the numbers that I've talked about, I have my model available over at Roto Baller. I cover the tournament through all from top to bottom between outrights, placements, uh, matchups, anything you can think of with DFS with it. So you can check me out there. And if you haven't done so already, uh, by the time that this airs, you can listen to Nick and I again over on Action Network on our Links and Locks podcast. Uh, so I hope everybody out there considers also checking that out. Spencer Aguiar, Nick Brettwish, thanks for the time. As always, the Open Championship in England. Signing off on the Action Network podcast, Brendan Glasheen. Thanks for listening, everybody. We are brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Best of luck. Keep an eye on the app. Keep in line with these guys. Follow them. I gave their handles at the top of the show for live betting purposes. And the weather. It's important to monitor as the weekend transpires. Thanks for listening to the Action Network podcast. We'll talk to you again next time. Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.